You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Tonight's Bible reading is uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 12, and you can find that on page 845 of the Bibles in front of you. If you'd like a digital version, you can find an app on that website up on the screen. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousand had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And every man who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, Do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Thanks, Nick. G'day, everyone. My name's Tim, um, and uh, I'm the senior minister here, and uh, I get the privilege of kicking off a new series uh, that we're looking at today as we're going to unpack that whole chapter that uh, we've started to read from Luke chapter 12. Uh, in the school holidays, uh, we realised that we've been very poor parents of our three children. We've been neglecting their education, that they really weren't up to speed as much as they should have been in their knowledge of Disney movies. Right? And so we watched the Disney movie Aladdin with our kids. Now, I'm not talking about the one that's out at the movies, the live action version. It's way too expensive to take three kids to the movies. No, we pulled up the old 1992 animated version. And I want to play you a little clip from the film because I think it sets the scene really well for the sorts of things that we're going to be talking about in this series that we're going to be looking at together. Now, let me just give you a bit of background in case you're not familiar with the movie. Um, Aladdin, at this point in the movie, is kind of disguised as Prince Ali Ababwa. And he's trying to woo the princess, Princess Jasmine. Um, And so this scene between the two of them, he's sort of in disguise and at the palace. And we see this little scene. So thanks, Joel. 
It's a magic carpet. It's lovely. You, uh, you don't want to go for a ride, do you? We could get out of the palace, see the world. Is it safe? Sure, do you trust me? What? Do you trust me? Yes. It's kind of, yeah, it's just before we break into a whole new world, yeah, all of that. Um, but it's a, key, it's a key moment in the movie. As Aladdin reaches down and says, do you trust me? Will she be willing to take his hand and to step on to the carpet? And it's also key because in that moment when he says those words, do you trust me, she recognises who he really is. She sees through the disguise and she knows that she's already met Aladdin in the marketplace and she knows a bit about him. She knows enough that she's willing to take his hand and to trust him. In this series that we're doing from Luke chapter 12, uh, we're thinking about trusting God with everything. Right? The basis of the Christian faith and life is about being willing to, to trust God. Trust is another word for faith, having faith in God. And uh, a person who claims to be a Christian would say, yes, I trust God. But how does that impact the different areas of our lives? Are we actually willing to give God access to every part of our lives and fully commit ourselves to him? So it's as if God is holding out his hand to us and saying to you and to me, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And we might say, well, yes. And being willing to trust is kind of willing to take that hand and to step on, to sort of stretch the metaphor, something a bit sometimes like a floating bit of material in the air. You're not quite sure where God is leading us, but the question is, do we trust him? And as in that little clip where she recognises who Aladdin is and she knows his character or something about him and is willing to trust him, it's a bit the same way with God. The more we know about who God is, his character, his reliability, the more likely we are to say, yes, I know you and I'm willing to trust you. So we're going to unpack this chapter and think about different areas of our life where we might be tempted not to trust God and to think about what we might need to do. The verses that we looked at today that uh, have just been read to us by Nick really focus on fear. There's lots of things in life that we might be afraid of, that we might be fearful about, and it's a challenge for us to trust God even when we're afraid, even in the midst of our fears. So if you've got your Bibles there, I'd love you to grab it and turn to page uh, 845. Um, as we sort of unpack this teaching of Jesus. The context for you is that Jesus is actually surrounded by a massive crowd of people. We're told thousands of people there, so much so that they're kind of trampling on each other. The religious leaders at the time have been um, in discussion with Jesus and we know from the previous chapter that they're trying to trip Jesus up to ask him hard questions. They want to pull him down and in the midst of all that's going on, crowds of people, religious leaders trying to pull Jesus down, 
we're told that he turns to his disciples, which it's speaking about his followers, the small group of people who have said, we'll follow you, Jesus, and he teaches them. So this is teaching for people who would say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, uh, and Jesus does these challenges about what trusting God actually looks like. And the first thing he says is to warn his disciples about the danger of hypocrisy. He says, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The Pharisees are the religious leaders, and in the previous chapter, Jesus has been having a real go at them because they like to present themselves as being really good people, really religious, but Jesus is saying that's just outside show. On the inside, you guys are totally different to the front that you're presenting. So what is hypocrisy? Well, let me show you. Hypocrisy literally is doing this. It's actually putting on a mask and presenting yourself differently to different people. So the word hypocrite came from the theatre at the time, the Greek theatre. A hypocrite was an actor who would don a mask and play a role. And hypocrisy is about playing a role or presenting yourself differently, putting on a mask depending on the context that you're in. So you might wear one mask when you're at church, you might wear a different mask when you're at school or at work or with different groups of friends or whatever. But you present yourself in a certain light in these different contexts. That is what hypocrisy is all about. And Jesus says hypocrisy is pretty common and it's pretty catching. It's like yeast, which at the time everyone would have made their own bread. You put the yeast in and it spreads through the whole bread. Jesus says it's like yeast. It's really common. It's really easy to be hypocritical in your lives. And Jesus says it's especially a problem for religious people, right? We're sitting in a church at the moment, so we really need to be careful about hypocrisy. Jesus says the Pharisees have fallen into hypocrisy and he pulls his followers around him and says, be on your guard. You guys really need to watch out because hypocrisy is a particular problem for you that it might trap you. He's basically saying to us, look, don't pretend to be one thing in one context and another thing somewhere else. You actually need to be consistent in the way that you live. Now, I've said that this chapter is about trusting God and not being afraid. How does that relate to hypocrisy? Well, I reckon one of the key things that motivates hypocrisy is fear of what other people think of us. Right? If we're afraid of the way that we're presenting ourselves to other people and what they might think about us, then we're more likely to kind of present ourselves in a way which will be appealing or attractive or agreeable to those people. So we're more likely to sort of put on the mask that we think will be presentable to those different groups of people. So if you think, oh, well, when I come to church, right, church people have it all together, they've got it all worked out, they've sorted out every sin in their life, they're good people. When I come to church, I need to sort of act like that's what I'm like. So you put on the church mask and you present, hey, my life's all together, everything's sorted out, when in actual fact your life might be a struggle and a mess 
Um, which is okay, it's great that we sang that second song which acknowledges that that's the reality actually for Christian people. But we can often present ourselves in a certain way when we come to church as if everything's together, all our sins sorted out, we're living for Jesus and it's all great. Or when you go to school tomorrow or to work or wherever you head off tomorrow, you might put on a different mask because you're kind of a bit embarrassed by the fact that you're a Christian and that you've been to church. And that might not be so acceptable when you get to school or to work. And so you kind of edit out of your conversation anything related to the fact that you were at church last night or what you did over the weekend. You kind of just nod and smile sheepishly when people say, oh, what sort of idiot would believe in God? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You put your mask on to present a certain face because maybe you're afraid of what people would think if you actually say, well, I believe in God and actually I was at, I was at church and learning more about Jesus just yesterday. So hypocrisy, I think, is often motivated by fear of what other people think rather than actually fear of what God might think and living our lives motivated by God's opinion of us rather than other people's opinions of us. That's the distinction. And Jesus' advice to be on your guard, guys, about this is really wise advice because it's very easy to do. And it's a challenge for all of us to think about where are the areas in our life at the moment where maybe we're doing this? Is there any area in your life where you're putting on a bit of a mask or playing different roles in different contexts? You're a different person when you're here at Sunday at 6 or at Life Group than you are at other points in the week. Have you got a different role that you're playing in each of those contexts? Jesus challenges us because he says hypocrisy is a really short-sighted thing to do. It's short-sighted because, do you know what? God knows all of that stuff anyway, and God's going to make all of the secrets in our lives known. You see, what's the, what's the secret to being a really good hypocrite? If you want to be a successful hypocrite, what have you got to do? Well, you've got to keep parts of your life hidden, don't you? You've got to um, maintain the roles that you're playing in the different contexts. Right? If you're wearing a mask, the thing that you fear most is if that mask is pulled off and exposed and people know who you really are rather than the role that you've been playing. But Jesus basically says, do you know what? God can see through the mask anyway. It's like the mask is invisible. God knows all of the details of our lives. God's all-knowing. There's no secrets from God. He can see into our hearts and our thoughts and our minds. It's all known to God. And Jesus says, in the future, everyone's mask is going to be pulled off and everything is going to be exposed. So verse 2, Jesus says, there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you've whispered in the ear, in the inner room will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Someone will be shouting it from the rooftops. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. I feel really unsettled when I read that sort of teaching of Jesus. Because if you're anything like me, you've got secret things in your heart and in your life 
that you would hate to be made public. But the truth is that God already knows those things. God can already see those hidden things. In fact, they're not secrets at all. So what are we going to do about that? If we do have these hidden things, what are we going to do with the fact that God actually knows them already? Well, it's good to be reminded of the good news of Jesus, the good news of the gospel, the good news of the Christian faith. That in Jesus, God offers each one of us complete forgiveness for anything that we've done, even the secrets that we'd be ashamed for other people to find out. God can see behind all of the masks that we're wearing. God says, I know who you actually are. You're not fooling me with that mask that you're wearing. I know you. I know all of the secrets in your life. I know all of the hidden things that you're trying to keep away from other people. And I love you. I love you. Even though that I, I know the intimate details and the secrets of your life. I love you and I offer you complete forgiveness in Jesus Christ and I want to be in relationship with you. Now that is a really liberating thing to know, isn't it? That God knows us and yet he still loves us and wants to forgive us and give us a new life in Jesus. And it's the sort of liberating reality, if we own that, which should make us want to take the masks off and throw them away. Because if God already knows the reality of our lives, if God already loves us and treasures us and wants to be in relationship with us, then there's no real point trying to put on a front for other people. Much more important to have God's opinion of us rather than what other people think. Jesus says here, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me and I, I want you to not be afraid of what other people might think of you. Throw the mask away. Stop trying to play roles and be different things for different people. Live all of your life before God and trust in him rather than being afraid of what people think. So we can be afraid of what other people might think of us, but we can also be afraid of more serious threats as well. Maybe threats to our safety or even threats of death. This is what Jesus says in verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. That's a really weird thing for Jesus to say. If my kids are having dinner, right, and they're, they're refusing to eat something that's been put on their plate, they're, they're actually pretty good eaters, but let's say, you know, there's a piece of broccoli there, they really don't want to eat it, they're like, yuck, I don't want to eat broccoli. I say something to them like, oh, come on, it's not going to kill you. Right? And what I'm saying is, a bit of a bad taste of broccoli in your mouth is not the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that could happen to you is that you die. But Jesus, in his teaching here, says, don't worry about people killing you. That's not the worst thing that could happen to you. And we go, what? We live in such a kind of materialist society where this world and what we see around us is all that there is. That's kind of the viewpoint of most of the people that we interact with. And when you die, you're dead. And so dying is kind of like the worst thing that can happen. There's, there's nothing more. That's the end of your life. 
But Jesus is saying, no, no, there's a bigger picture. There's a life that goes even beyond death, and death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. There's actually a judgment that each of us will face as we come before God, where we'll have to front up to him, and this life is not all that there is. Jesus warns us here that there is a fate that is worth, worse than death, and that is hell. Now, as soon as I've mentioned that word, we're all feeling uncomfortable. Right? Hell is one of those things that oh, we don't want to talk about hell. It's got a really bad rap, and it's got a bad reputation in our wider society as well. And, and part of that is fair enough, because there's kind of all of these weird images around hell. You know, it's like devils with pitchforks, and um, lots of things have been added into the notion around hell that you won't actually find in the Bible. They've just been added in over the years. So what we've got to do is we've got to get rid of all of these sort of extra bits that have been added in. That's true. But at the same time, we've got to take seriously the fact that the person in the Bible who most often speaks about hell is Jesus. Jesus refers to hell more than anyone else in the Bible. So if we're going to take Jesus seriously and we're going to say, well, we want to listen to what Jesus actually has to say and treat that as authoritative, then we need to take serious the teaching that he gives around hell as well. Um, the word that he uses for hell here, the word that's translated is the word Gehenna. And there was a valley just outside the city of Jerusalem, which was sort of the valley of Gehenna. That's what it's referring to. It was the, it was the, the rubbish dump for the city of Jerusalem. That's where all the rubbish went and there were fires burning there because it was breaking down the waste. It had been a location where there'd been child sacrifices back in the dark days of Israel in the Old Testament. And so it was considered a place which was kind of cursed and just a horrible place to be. And that's, that's the image that Jesus uses to talk about judgment. Now, we don't get all the details about exactly what is being spoken about here, but the logic of what Jesus is saying is there is this fate that is worse than just death, that all of us will have to front up to God because of what we've done, and God will judge us, and he'll be just and fair, and there are consequences for the things that we do to other people in this life. So in the same context that Jesus says to his followers, don't be afraid, don't be afraid of people who might kill you, he says three times, fear God. In these verses, on three occasions, he says, you need to fear God, which doesn't mean that we kind of shake in our boots and, oh, I don't want to relate to God, he's too scary. It's about having an awe of God and revering God for who he is, giving his rightful place, which includes the fact that he is our judge as well. Now, again, you're probably, you may still be feeling very uncomfortable and you're thinking, well, how can I actually trust a God like that? How can I trust a God who threatens judgment of people, that he's actually going to judge their actions? How can I trust him? That's not the sort of God maybe that I can rely on and trust. But again, Jesus in his teaching immediately says, you need to know the sort of God who we're talking about here who will judge us. This is not some distant, disinterested, 
angry tyrant far away who's going to judge us. It's actually an involved, intimately connected, caring God who is going to be the one who judges us. So Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. At the time, sparrows were the cheapest thing that you could buy in the marketplace. When I was at school, at the canteen in my primary school, the cheapest thing you could buy were these cheese sticks that were like biscuits. They were one cent each. It was back in the day when they had one cent and two cent pieces. And uh, one of the kids in my grade became a hero by bringing $5 in and going to the canteen and going, I want 500 (laughs) cheese sticks, right? The point is, they were the cheapest thing that you could buy. And Jesus talks about the cheapest thing that could be bought in the marketplace, a sparrow. And he was saying, you can get five sparrows for two pennies, right? That's how cheap they are. Then he makes the point, and yet God knows the intimate details of a sparrow's life. God is so connected with this creation that he's made that he knows about the sparrows. And you, you precious child of God, you are so much more valuable to God than a sparrow. God knows all of the intimate details of your life. He knows what's going on for you, the struggles and the joys that you have. He even knows the number of hairs that are on your head. That's how much he knows about you. Now, some of us make it a bit easier for God in terms of counting the hairs on our heads than others. But the point is, that's the sort of God that we're speaking about. The take-home message here is, even when there's physical threats to our safety, we shouldn't be afraid because God is the one who controls things even beyond death. And God is a caring God who knows all of the details of this world and he'll judge fairly. Earlier this year, I heard um, Archbishop Ben Quashy speak. He's the Anglican Archbishop of the Diocese of Jos, which is in northern Nigeria. And on more than one occasion, people have come to his house in order to kill him. On one of those occasions... Um, he was unexpectedly away. He got called away at the last minute. They banked on him being there, and he wasn't there. And so they beat up his wife, Gloria, so badly that she couldn't see anymore. She did recover her sight after a long period of time, but she was beaten that badly that she became blind, and they burnt his house down. They burnt it to the ground. And when he came back to his house... He was searching through the ashes of all of his ruined possessions and in the ashes he picked up a cross that had been unburnt and he took the cross and he built a little mini coffin made out of glass and he placed it as a reminder on the shelf so that he could look at it. He wanted to be reminded that every single day that he had after that date, he was kind of, it was a bonus because he should have died that day. If he had been home, he would have been killed. So he said to God, every single day that I've got from here is a bonus and I want to use it for you. I want to trust you and I want to live for you. And that was maybe two decades ago and he's done incredible things for God because he's decided, well, 
I don't need to fear death because God's in charge and I'm on borrowed time anyway because it could happen today or tomorrow. I just don't know. I'm just going to trust God who's in charge of it all anyway. What about you? Is that the sort of attitude that you can take to life, to have that sort of trust in God and confidence that even in the face of death or threat that you're okay because you're trusting God? Sometimes in church we say the words of the creed together or we sing it sometimes actually. And at the end of the creed we say these words, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Now, I don't know when you're reciting the creed what you think about when you say those words. Sometimes we can just say them on rote and we don't think about what we're saying. But it's actually a radical statement. If you say, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, here's what you're actually declaring boldly to the world around us. I believe that this world is not all that there is. I believe that death is not the end. I believe that even if someone was to kill me for following Jesus, I would win. I believe that God will raise me from the dead and that I will live forever. The relationship that I have with God now will never end. It will go on into eternity. And I'm going to trust God with my life and I'm not going to be afraid. Now, maybe you don't think all of those things when you say those words, but that is basically what we're proclaiming together, that reality. That God is the one who is in charge, that we can trust in him. So the challenge from this passage is twofold for us. We can trust God and we don't need to be afraid of other people's opinions of us. We don't need to wear the masks Because God sees it anyway, and God's opinion matters so much more than other people. We can trust God, and we don't even need to be afraid when we're faced with death or if people were to threaten us for our faith. Because God is the one who is ultimately in control. He controls life and death. And if we trust in him, we're guaranteed of a life that goes beyond death in the Lord Jesus. If we trust in him, he's the one that we can commit ourselves to. So how about I pray for us? God, help us to trust you more. Help us to trust you even when we're afraid and we're faced with things that frighten us. We ask that you, not, uh, you help us uh, not to be afraid of other people's opinions of us uh, and help us, Lord, to take off the masks and to stop playing different roles in different contexts but to trust in you. And we pray too, Lord, that you would help us to trust you and not to be afraid, even in dangerous situations. We thank you that you have raised Jesus from the dead and that you have promised that you will raise us too. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 